that a merry heart doeth good like medicine. Laughter is medicine, isn't it? Well, I, I just need a little laughter tonight, amen. So uh, you've probably already got this. I think Penny Howell sends it to everybody in the world. But, uh, I mean, that's her list she sends it to. <laughs> but I thought this was good. I was supposed to read this on uh, Valentine's night, but I didn't read it. Some of you heard it, but let's hear it again for the first time. I just came in this morning. I needed some laughter, so I pulled it up again and just like the gag, I laugh so hard. <laughs> you need laughter too? Amen. This is uh, advice from kids. Probably heard it before, but let's just hear it again. What do most people do on a date? Well, this is from Martin, age 10. He says, on the first date, they just tell each other lies. <laughs> and that usually gets them interested enough to go for a second date. When is it okay to kiss someone? Pam says, age seven, when they're rich. <laughs> Kurt, age seven, says, the law says you have to be 18, so I wouldn't want to mess with that. <laughs> Howard says at age eight, the rule goes like this. If you kiss someone, then you should marry them and have kids with them. It's the right thing to do. <laughs> A little good wisdom there, isn't it? Next question, what would you do on a first date that was turning sour? Craig, age nine, says, this is good. <laughs> I'd run home and play dead. <laughs> the next day I would call all the newspapers and make sure they wrote about me in all the dead columns. <laughs> How do you decide who to marry? Alan says, age 10, you got to find somebody who likes the same stuff. Like if you like sports, she should like it that you like sports and she should keep the chips and the dips coming. <laughs> Hallelujah. Kirsten, age 10, says, no person really decides before they grow up who they're, who they're going to marry. God decides it all, it all way before and you get to find out later who you're stuck with. Eh? <laughs> this is good, isn't it? Only a younger can come up with something like this. What is the right age to get married? Well, Camille says, age 10, 23 is the best age because you know the person forever by then. <laughs> Freddie, age 6, says, no age is good to get married at. you got to be a fool to get married. <laughs> uh, next question. How can a stranger tell if two people are married? Derek, age 8, has the right answer. Couldn't have said it better myself. You might have to guess based on whether they seem to be yelling at the same kids. <laughs> That's <pretty> good. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. <laughs> what, next question. What do you think your mom and dad have in common? Lori, of course, they both don't want any more kids. <laughs> next question. Is it better to be single or married? Anita, age nine, says it's better for girls to be single, but not for boys. Boys need someone to clean up after them. <laughs> and then finally, last but not least, <laughs> how would you make a marriage work? Tell your wife that she looks pretty even if she looks like a truck. <laughs> oh, glory to God. <laughs> 
That's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> Who is that dude? <laughs> oh, she looks like a truck. You're a pretty truck lady. <laughs> Amen. Just lighten up things a little bit. Y'all get too heavy around here. <laughs> it's been a little heavy around here today, so we just need to lighten things up, don't we? The devil's lied to us. He told us that they have misplaced our passports. I have to fly out Friday. This is the most, this is my proper way to say it, this is the most major thing I've ever done in my life. What I'm about to do next week. I have to be there. I have to have my passport. I have to have my shot record. And all of our people have to have theirs. And the devil is not allowed to steal from me in the name of Jesus or my people. And uh, praise the Lord. Well, I'm just expecting God to give us a little supernatural aid here. I mean, I, I've lived all my life for this moment, for this moment, what I'm about to do. And uh, if not this, what? I have, to, I have to go. I have to be there. Amen. Thousands of pastors are dependent on me. I have to be there. So I will in the name of Jesus. Right. By the grace of God, the devil's under my foot in Jesus' name. Don't you wish you could see him? You just grab him and just choke him right there. Just choke him. But Jesus defeated him 2,000 years ago. And the Bible tells me that he has given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess. This word cannot lie to me. Whatever I bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever I refuse to allow, I refuse to allow him to do that. Heaven's backed me up. Ministering angels, they're all sent forth to minister for those who are heirs of salvation. I have sent the angels forth to go get it, bring it. And I've commanded the devil who's endeavoring to try to steal to bring it to my feet in the name of Jesus. Amen. I don't care how God has to get it to me. If he has to bring it by a vulture, a buzzard, or a partridge, or whatever. I don't care. I don't care. That's not my job. My job is just to believe God. I'm here. He is as dependent on me as I am on him. Jesus needs me there. He would not have given me that commission, that apostleship. He would not have given me that assignment. He would not have told me to change the nation. He would not have told me to reach, teach, and change the nation. And then just tell me, well, now, I told you what to do. You've got to do it the best you can. No, I expect supernatural help from God. Amen. Amen. We serve a miraculous God. And it's time for him to show up now. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's all thank God ahead of time. Amen. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We bless your holy name. Your word is true. And we have been delivered from the power of darkness. We've been translated to kingdom of your dear son. And the devil has absolutely no authority over us or our stuff. In the name of Jesus. We call those passports in our hands now. We thank you for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They have told us that they don't know where they are, somewhere between the embassy in New York and here, or the post office there. They misplaced it, or it got lost, or somebody stole it, or whatever, They're even thinking about calling the FBI in. But that don't make any difference. God knows where they are. The angels know where they are, and they're on their way, and we'll, we'll leave on time and return on time. 
in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Raise your hands again and thank him for it. Hallelujah. Let's just tell him we love him, we thank him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory, glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise the Lord forever. Praise the Lord. I'm not trying to talk you into it, Jesus. I'm just telling you, you need me there. I have what those people need. You gave it to me. Praise the Lord. All right. Let's get in our Bible school. We're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And the way it's worked out, I had six weeks to talk on the gifts of the Spirit. So you know that I had to cram. And so I felt like it was very important that we spend one message each on the power of gifts, the three gifts that do something. And then we talked about prior to that, we talked about the revelation gifts, three that reveal something. The three that reveal are the gift of the word of wisdom, the gift of the word of knowledge, the gift of discerning of spirits, discerning of spirits. You discern spirits, not people. Discern spirits, what spirits behind the situation or whatever's going on. Revelation, facts in the mind of God about the future. You need to know. Oh, that's the word of wisdom. That is revelation, something revealed to you. Word of knowledge, facts about things right now. Somebody's getting a word of knowledge on this stuff. Amen. Right? So we thank God for that, don't we? And then we talked about the power of gifts, the three that do, the, the gift of faith, the working of miracles, and the gifts of healings. And they were good. I have to combine all three of the utterance and inspirational gifts tonight. So we're just going to whisk through them. I've got six pages for you there. You can take this stuff and go preach it. I've got your material for you all laid out. The outline there and just take it and preach it. Three inspirational, inspired by the Holy Ghost, God breathed, God inspired. Three utterance gifts, three gifts that say something. God wants to talk to his people or a person. He has a message for them that they must hear. So therefore, he wants to speak to them. This is supernatural. Remember what we said, if one is supernatural, they're all supernatural. Well, everybody says, well, we know the gifts of the work in America are supernatural. Well, these are just as supernatural. These are vocal miracles. They're not anything you drum up. They, they are inspired, God-breathed. Let's just run through it right quick. We looked at the first one, about the three that, <clears throat> that say something. We're talking about the gift of prophecy, gift of diverse kinds of tongues, gift of interpretation of tongues given by the inspiration of, of the Spirit and are voiced by faith. We by faith speak these things out. So God wants to talk to you. He has a message for you. If these gifts go into operation, they are as the Spirit wills. Now, He may choose to speak in your own language to you. Now, now I'm summing up all three of them now. In all three of them, you could say this. He can either choose to speak to you in your own language or He can choose to speak to you in an unknown language. The language can be and if it's unknown, it is always unknown to the one doing the speaking. The message that they're given in an unknown tongue means unknown to the one doing the speaking. That's what it always implies. It's not necessarily always unknown to the hearer. 
but it's not necessarily always known to the hearer. Because if it's not known to the hearer, it's always unknown to the speaker. But if it's unknown to the hearer, then that means that there must be another gift behind it called the interpretation of tongues. Are you following what we're saying here? See? Now, uh, the main purpose, major purpose of this is to edify the church. So prophecy, the first one, means a supernatural utterance by the Holy Spirit in a known tongue. Now, they are speaking... This is a message in a known tongue, so they know what they're saying. And they're getting edified at the same time you are. They have understanding at the same time. A lot of times when I give a prophecy, now I'm talking about simple prophecy. There's a difference between simple prophecy and prophecy of the prophet. Too many people want to be a prophesy like a prophet or be a prophet or call themselves. It never fails. I, if I go to church, I came here, you know, our group now a little bit more mature, but when I came here, I'd teach on these things, and all of a sudden, there's four or five of them. I'm a prophet. I, that's what I am. I'm a prophet. <clears throat> and have never prophesied, and then yet don't even know that they need the revelation gifts in their ministry all the time. They're not aware of this because they've not read the Word of God. It possibly could be, but most of the time, they're not. But yet everybody filled with the Holy Ghost can prophesy, and we talk about simple prophecy. So there's a difference. In the prophecy of a prophet, there will come a lot of forth telling but then there will be some foretelling and that doesn't come through the laity that comes through the prophets unless it's something personal to you maybe and that God speaks to you God can show you things to come that's the ministry of the Holy Ghost but you're not going to go out and be telling everybody the future please please listen to me so it means to flow out to bubble forth like a fountain the inspiration to utterance to lift up spring forth to speak for another a supernatural utterance by the Holy Spirit in a known tongue to the hearer. So if I give a, a prophecy to you, then I'm going to speak in English, and you're going to be edified, and I'm going to be edified. Simple prophecy. What it's not, it's not a message which originates in the mind. It doesn't come from the mind. We're not listening with our mind. We're listening to our spirit. It is not something we just decide to do. It is not something we just do because we've done it before. It is not something we uh, just do because we can. It is not just the prophet's ministry only because the, the body can do simple prophecy. And it's not a way that we or how we seek guidance. We don't seek somebody to prophesy us. We do not go and pay for a prophecy. There are people selling their prophecy. You can look at Christmas magazine, open up any time and see prophet so-and-so. I mean, they are just hung up on this stuff. And then he goes and then he goes down and he, he sells you a prophet or he gives you a prophecy for an offering that's selling it. That is demonic. Need to get over that. Now, diverse kinds of tongues is a supernatural utterance by the Holy Spirit. He's in us. If it's prophecy, he's in us. He's going to speak out of our spirit. It comes off of our lips. We're dumping out of our spirit. If it's diverse kinds of tongues, and that means that it's another tongue that you don't normally, it's the gifts on you. You don't understand it. It's supernatural. It's by the Holy Spirit. And it's in an unknown tongue or language. It's a vocal miracle. What it's not, language learned by the speaker. It is not understood by the mind of the speaker. It is always, it is not always understood by the hearer. It may or may not be a language of men. Remember in 1 Corinthians 13, though I speak to you the tongues of men and of angels. It could be the language of men. It may not be the language of men. It could be just a heavenly language. A heavenly tongue. It is not linguistic ability. 
The interpretation of tongues, the third one now, which would be the least of them, prophecy would be the greatest. Interpretation of tongues is a supernatural showing forth by the Holy Spirit the meaning of an utterance in an unknown tongue. Now, it stands to reason that if you got interpretation of tongues, that it couldn't be a standalone gift, could it? That it has to have the gift of uh, diverse kinds of tongues, or what one says in original says kinds of tongues. Divers was sticking, stuck in there by the translator. But you would need those two together to end up with what prophecy is doing. So it makes sense then that prophecy, here it is, is the most important of the three gifts because it takes the other two combined to equal it, to equal that gift. You've got to have tongues with interpretation to come up with the same thing that prophecy is doing. Prophecy is in a known tongue. That's just the way the Holy Spirit chose to do it. But he may choose to have a message in tongues. Now you'll find that the message in tongues are the more prominent of all the gifts. What I mean by that, they happen more than any other. And there are many reasons why. One is just confusion on the subject. Not understanding it. But <clears throat> the gift of prophecy, I will speak to you. Now a lot of times I can have this happen. Even, and, and you've noticed too, you've been a lot. That while I'm preaching all of a sudden the spirit of prophecy will come on me. I say the spirit of prophecy. It will come on me and, and I just know I'm to prophesy. Now, now Sunday I knew that I was to give a word of prophecy to Danielle. I knew it over there. Now, sometimes he'll tell me I'll know what it's about. That's all I'll know. I'll never know everything that's in it, and I don't, don't ever know what all's going to come out. Sometimes all I'll have is one word. It'll float up to my mind. It's coming out of my spirit. There's an unction out of my spirit, and it'll float up to my mind. A lot of times when, when people are filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, the, the, uh, the unction is so strong to speak that words kind of float up to your mind that are not in your own language, and you just need to speak them out. That's a good way to get started. But when you learn to relax with it and be comfortable with it, then you don't eat, you bypass your mind, just go straight to your spirit and just dump right out of your mouth, right? That's what you're doing. And when I'm speaking in English, I'm dumping out of my head. When I'm speaking in tongues, I'm dumping out of my spirit. See? So the Holy Ghost either has to relate to my head, then come out of my mouth, or they just, when I learn to, to flow with it, they just hook my tongue up to my spirit. Bypass my mind. My understanding is unfruitful. You don't have to understand all of that. Are y'all listening to me here? This is stuff that the church needs to be taught here. Now, so prophecy would be the most important. You understand that, don't you? Of the three gifts. Now, 1 Corinthians 14 says, follow after love and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. God would rather that you prophesy. How about that? 14.3, but he that prophesies speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. Now, there is the, there is the meaning and purpose behind want to edify the church, but simple prophecy. Now, what I gave her was simple prophecy. It edified her. Danielle, are you here? Danielle, did it edify you? Did it exhort you? Did it comfort you? Well, now, Danielle, judge it. How many of you judged it? So you can. And it should all, prophecy or tongues or interpretation should bring blessing to the people. I heard one fellow said, now, now, Pastor, I went over to this meeting. They have these they Bible, supposed to be Bible studies, and all they do is prophesy. And he, and he says, when they prophesy, they're always prophesying something bad. Well, I just, you know, you don't have to receive it if it don't bear witness with your spirit. Amen. And so usually they're trying to foretell something. These are just people caught up. They're out of order, and they need some correction and need to be taught. They're right in the heart, but like Brother Hagin always said, they're wrong in their head. You ever find anybody right in the heart and wrong in their head? Most of the time, it's their heads that get 
cause you your problem, right? Now, this gift is not to be confused with the office of the prophet. Simple prophecy, there's no foretelling or future telling, and there's no revelation in it. Okay? Simple prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Old Testament, prophets led them. New Testament, the priesthood is changed. 1 Peter 2, 9, we are royal priesthood, holy nation, peculiar people. We are led of the Spirit in the New Testament, right? We're not led by prophecy. Romans 8, 14 says, for men is led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. I had to say something one time, I think y'all do, do this, I think y'all do that. I said, well, you know, the Bible doesn't say for as men is led by Patsy, they're the sons of God. Pastor, I think you ought to do this. Pastor, I think you ought to do that. The Bible doesn't tell me that, Pastor, that you're led by them. I'm not led by the church. I'm not led by people. I'm not led by flesh and blood. If a prophecy comes, if it doesn't bear witness to me, I throw it in the trash can. I don't judge the person as bad. I judge the prophecy. Come on. Amen. That they made a mistake, ate too much spaghetti, whatever. Hallelujah. You ever gone to church, a prayer meeting, ate so much, you go there and try to pray, you can't pray at all? Might as well, I just, just get up, let's just get up and go home, amen. <laughs> all right, now when we define the gift of prophecy, we also are defining the gift of diverse kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues because they produce the same thing. Are y'all understanding this here, right? When they are coupled together, they produce the same results. So the latter two gifts, diverse kinds of tongues with interpretation, are equivalent to prophecy. Now, we're told in the Bible to covet to prophesy. Go to 1 Corinthians 14. And really, I ain't reading the scripture. We're all just going to read some. Let's just go there and read some anyhow. Amen. 1 Corinthians 14. There's so much confusion in the body of Christ on these things. And there's really there's, there's a, quite a bit of error in the body. And you understand why some churches just throw it all out together, all together. They, I don't want none of that stuff. You know, it's just a bunch of wild, crazy people, not in order. And then folks come up and say, well, now, you know, the Spirit of the Lord came with me, and I just had to do it. I just, I just had to do it. Well, you know what? Jesus told me I just had to judge it. <laughs> if you have to do it, I have to judge it. <laughs> Are you all with me? <laughs> so no, I have to do it. Because, you know, you tell them, well, now, can I prophesy in your church? Sure, if I can judge it. Well, and I don't want you to judge it. Well, then you don't prophesy then. Just be quiet and speak to yourself. Hallelujah! Y'all gone home on it. Are you in 1 Corinthians 14 yet? Let's just read some. Follow after love and desire spiritual as spirituals, things of and pertaining to the Holy Ghost. But rather, follow that you may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. That, simple, that is simple and plain. When you're speaking in an unknown tongue, unknown to you, the one doing the talking, then you are in the Spirit. You're in the realm of the Spirit. You have moved in the realm of the Spirit because you're in the realm of faith. You don't know what you're saying. You're just saying it by faith. Amen? Well, it could just be me making up a language. I always tell them, well, go ahead and make up one. Let me see you do it. Uh, 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 if you can make up a language, then you can tell me the meaning of every sound you made. If you can make up a language. But if you're a child of God and your heart's right, just bless God, open up your mouth, rear back, and just let it rip. Hallelujah. Trust the Holy Ghost to make it a language. Y'all out there are going home. 
Well, we don't believe in that tongue stuff. You'll never be spiritual. And you'll never amount to anything in your spiritual walk for life. You're just, you're just somebody going along for the ride, and we've got to carry you. We're the oxen, and you're the little pony going along for the ride. We've got to pull the whole yoke. Amen. Where do we stop with here? Let's go to verse 3. He that prophesied speaketh unto who? Men. He that, verse 3. He that prophesied speaketh unto who? Men. He that speaks in tongues speaks unto who? God. When I'm talking, see, well, I'm just, I'm just praying in them war tongues. What chapter and verse? You got that out of 2 Hezekiah, didn't you? That's in 2 Hezekiah chapter 13, verse 25. How many of y'all know there's no 2 Hezekiah nor 1 Hezekiah in the Bible? And then war in tongues. There ain't no war in tongues. You're talking unto God. Who are you warring with God for? It's amazing. How I many of you have been caught up in some of them war in tongues churches? Come on, sister, raise your hand. You've been there, ain't you? Yeah, look at you. You've been there just enjoying the world. Y'all been in that war. What did you win? <laughs> we don't know because we don't know what we're warring with. Yeah, you're still in the dark. Read the Bible. Just stay with the book. Amen? <laughs> he that prophesies speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue means it's unknown to the one doing the speaking. Edifieth himself. He that prophesies edifieth the church. I would that you all speak with tongues. That'd be cool. But rather that you prophesied. Why? For greater is he that prophesied than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret. That makes it equivalent, doesn't it? That the church may receive edifying. If you speak in tongues, only you get edified. But if you add interpretation to it, then everybody got edified, and we're all happy coming and going, aren't we? Amen. Amen. Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit except I speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine? And even things without life give sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds. How shall it be known what is pipe? And then we read on down. Let's go down to verse um, 13. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray, I, I, that's his spirit. If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. It's supposed to be unless he gives you the interpretation. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit. I will pray with the understanding. I'm going to pray both ways. I will sing with the spirit. I will sing with the understanding. Say amen. Then he says, verse uh, um, 39. Wherefore, brethren, covet. Everybody say covet. That means hunger. Get hungry. Covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues, but let all things be done decently and how? He didn't say to covet to be a prophet, did he? So we don't write that in there. You're not supposed to covet to be a prophet. That is a gift bestowed by Jesus on select individuals. You really can't even, I don't have any, you don't have any scripture to even seek to be an office. It's an appointment and it is, that's the reason I say, you know, a lot of people disagree with that, but uh, that's up to them. But because he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, then that's the reason I say that when you're called to these offices, you've had a divine encounter because Jesus directly appoints you, calls you to it. There has to be, there has to be some encounter. Say amen. amen. And the reason that the church be edified. Now, notice he says, talking about simple prophecy, is given to every man or spirit-filled believer. We know that the office of the prophet is not given to every man. It doesn't make you a prophet if you prophesy. Amen. 
Do you understand that? Just like you might have cow meat in your refrigerator, that doesn't make you a cattle rancher, does it? You may have rode a horse, but that doesn't make you a bronco buster, does it? <laughs> right? You may have cracked the whip, that don't make you lash LaRue. Amen. There's no revelation. Go to 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 29. He says, let the prophets, everybody say prophets. All right, now he's speaking about the prophet. Now, a prophet will prophesy, won't he? But a spirit-filled believer can prophesy as the spirit wills. Even the prophet, when he prophesies, it should be as the spirit wills, shouldn't it? Huh? Amen. He said, let the prophet speak two or three and let the other judge, the other prophet. If anything be revealed, now I told you, see, he's talking about the prophets, isn't he? There's no revelation in uh, prophecy, simple prophecy. The revelation you get would come from the gift of the word of wisdom or the gift of the word of knowledge. Those are something revealed. So in our lives, that's where we get revelation. But when we prophesy, we don't bring revelation like, now this one you won't find in the Bible. This is something God gave me. What's the first thing you do? Run! <laughs> the other way! He's about to mess you up, isn't he? Only the prophets receive revelation for the body. It should always be judged, every one of them. Not the prophet or the prophesier. We do not judge them, not judging people. We judge the prophecy only. Say amen. It should bear witness. Now, if a prophecy is given, I know sometimes they're babies, they don't know anything, but really, you know, I, I knew when I was a, a young boy, I was called to the ministry. I can't explain to you how I knew. I ain't got a clue how I knew. I just knew in my door. And I, I can tell you other things that I knew. I kn I've known all along for some reason. I can't tell you how, but I know that uh, Wigglesworth died right along 1947, right along that area, in that time period right in there. Uh, Kenyon went away. He left about that time. I knew, I've always known that I'm part of the next generation, take up where they left off. And man, if you ever, you ever read Kenyon, you're reading behind Pastor Jim. You ever hear Pastor Jim, you're reading behind Kenyon. That man taught me more than anybody else on this earth that ever lived. He taught me more than Dad taught me. So I just always known in my life that, that that's just the mantle was passed. Now that was a divine call and an appointment by God. Didn't ask for it, really didn't want it. Especially after you get involved. You may think a lot of times, you know, I heard guys when we was at Raymond, well, you know, I'd like to be a prophet, all of this. Man, you get called in there, you don't want none of them. You serve Jesus because you love him. Amen. And you get over real quick the stuff about wanting position and name and title and all. Look, folks, we receive the greater condemnation. Teachers are judged by a higher standard. You want this? You want my job? You can have it. I can't give it to you. That's the reason I never worry about somebody, well, come on, you're going to take over your church. How can he take over? Because he ain't me. <laughs> well, what if he came in and took a bunch of people out of your church? They weren't with me to start with. Because Paul said if they'd have been with me, they would not have left. We got inside information in the Bible, don't we? Don't we, Pastor? Amen. So we judge. Now, they always should be judged. And it should, if a prophecy is given to you, it should bear witness with your spirit. 
It should bear witness. I mean, you understand what I mean when I say bear witness? You know, if it just kind of down the inside, just, yeah, mm, right, mm, peace. You know, so thank you very much. Go off and mind your own business, go in the trash. Amen. It should edify, exhort, and comfort. Can't say that enough. The tongue will edify you. Prophecy edifies the church. Let the elders do the judging unless it's personal to you. Personal to you. Then you can judge by the witness. It should bring great blessing. Prophecy is not to be quenched. 1 Thessalonians 5. Let's go look at that. And this happens. I told the Lord I've had to repent many times because I just get so caught up in the teaching. I'd rather do that than I don't take time for these other gifts. And yet, when I do it, I'm robbing you. So we begin to flow and work more in this. I guess you've noticed this, haven't you? Here lately, and we're yielding more to it, and we'll get more and more, but it shouldn't always happen through me. <clears throat> Are you with me? I expect all my leader, my, my ministry team here to flow in the gifts too. Amen. All right. Say the Lord's good. First Thessalonians 5, verse 19, quench not the spirit. Well, now, you know, that's, that's pretty good, ain't it? Despise not prophesying. So we should have them. Amen? Just because we got some error doesn't mean we throw everything out. Right? <clears throat> if it's in the future, it must be proven. Most everyone coming to church, a lot of times people come to church, they need edifying. They need exhorting. They need comforting. I mean, that's the truth. All the more reason why we should have it. Now, if you just take Corinth, and just everybody was prophesying. Everybody had a tongue, had a psalm, had a hymn, had a word. Paul didn't say not a one of them was, was, was wrong. He just said they were out of order. You know, he said if there's, if there's three or four, you know, three or four prophets in the church that's given a word, ain't no need for anybody else to get in there. It just brings in confusion. He said, that's enough. Everybody was prophesying. Everybody had a word. And so he had to just get them back in order, not tell them that it was wrong. But, I, you know, you think about it. As many people as just come to this church. We're not a great big church by no means at the present. But <clears throat> somebody needs to be edified. Somebody needs to be exhorted. Somebody needs to be comforted. I think, bless God, we ought to make more room for it. Here's one of the reasons why I bring in Brother Donald, too. He's coming in here, Brother Donald Moore, this Sunday. Donald flows. He's a prophet. He has the office. And uh, he's uh, in my own life. He's spoken in my own life. Told me things. Now, not, not everything. Now, listen carefully. This is another, because it might get off in another. Edify, exhort, and comfort. Well, what if it just exhorts? It might not necessarily do all three. But exhortation sometimes is not always just nice. Donald told me something. He's a prophet that would come to pass, and it did. I mean, you know, you really don't have to do a lot of judging. Just see if it comes back. It came to pass. Within two weeks, it happened. He took to me, told me, sitting. I told you all this, but it bears repeating. Sitting at McDonald's last night, Sunday night meeting. And he didn't know everything that was going on there. But he's sitting there across from the table with me. And he just said it, you know, he didn't come off. His hair didn't 
sit up on top of his head. He didn't, he didn't turn color. His hair was already on the top of his head, you know, just. <laughs> you know, but he just looked at me across the table and he just said it just like this. This is a word from God. It was uh, an exhortation. But you know what? You can say it comforts you some way because it's, it's good to know the news before it happens. You know, so you'd be prepared for it. And this thing, he knows that a ministry is my life, my calling. And he looked at me and he said, he said, I hate to tell you this. He said, they're going to leave you. I said, what do you mean? He said, all of them. He said, your whole church is going to leave you. And it went within two weeks that a conspiracy took place in the church. And then people who were about, you know, that far between their ears would rather follow friends than follow the mand of God. And <laughs> we're about to sing a verse the mand of God. Huh? See, he told us. Now, that exhorted me. Didn't do a lot of edifying to me. But, you know, uh, the prophet sometimes speaks things to the whole body. It doesn't bring a lot of comfort to us. But it's truth we need to know. But if you, you not being a prophet, the Spirit of God can move on you to prophesy. <clears throat> and, you know, I just believe people coming here need to be edified, exhorted, and comforted. You know, I could use a little bit right now. Amen. Things you got to do for God, every time you turn around, the devil's there to buffet. Just like you did Paul. Told Paul to do something about it. Well, Jesus told us to do something about it. You know, we do, we do as much as we can, and then we just stand. I remember in, uh, I was in Kansas. And I'll tell you, Dodge City, Kansas was rough. That was a hard place to get the word out. These people, man, they're just, they're just cowboys. I mean, man, you, you get out in town one place, the feedlot's outside of town, the wind always blows right straight towards the city. You can smell the feedlot. Cow manure piling up. Slides. And I'm there to teach these people faith. Pastor them. <clears throat> it's rough. But then one day somebody came and just said something to me. Just gave me, I got a phone call from an individual. He said something to me. I tell you, it was just like all of a sudden I began to see some daylight. Because it looked dark. We'd, we'd get up sometime. We got up at 6 o'clock in the morning. Go pray. Come 4.30. Pray. Even the, one, of the, one of the pastor's wives in town heard about it. She'd come over and started praying with us from another denomination. And they prayed. One morning I went there and I prayed. I mean, we just prayed in tongues. And all of a sudden, it seemed like I saw a cloud break. And some light shine through. Well, you know, things like that bring you comfort. And then here's some people come in, they've been going through things we don't even know what they're going through. We don't know what they're going through in their life. Holy Ghost does. And it's the Holy Ghost ministry to bring comfort to people. This is supernatural. Amen. You don't think it up. You didn't learn this. You don't know what this language is. It just comes out of you. When you have your own private prayer life, you have probably a certain tongue you use. But when I go into prophecy, it's never the same one, seems like. It's just always different. But then coupled with it, with interpretation of tongues, 
to edify the people. People need to be edified. People need to be exhorted. Continue on. Press on. People need to be comforted. How I many you know that's true? Say amen. amen. Well, you know, just a word from God. Just a word from God. Now, what, what happens? Somebody, somebody gives you a word of prophecy from the Lord. That means that what? That God took time out of his busy schedule to talk to you, to say something to you. Man, he'd come to me when I was a, when I was a baby. He'd come and do all kinds of things to me. He put people in my life that would just bring me, just go bring it, go over there. Jim needs help. Go help him out. Go talk to him. Go, go comfort him. Go tell him, don't give up. Hold on. Don't quit. You know, they'd come and talk to me. A lot of them didn't even know they were being used in the spirit of prophecy. Simple prophecy, edification, exhortation, comfort. Pastor, or they say, Jim, I watched you. I mean, you know, you, can, you don't ever know a person saying something by inspiration. Peter opened up his mouth. Jesus said, who, who can be and say that I am? Prophet. He said, who do you say I am? Peter said, thou art Christ, the son of the living God. He said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. That was God. The Holy Ghost did that, didn't he? Well, you come in here, everything looked like, you know, it's going to fall apart. Your marriage is over or whatever, or you, they've left and remarried, and you think, dear God, and the devil's telling you the only thing left you do is kill yourself. He'll tell you everything. That's the reason he's wild. Remember, put on the whole armor that we stand against the wiles of the devil. Have you ever needed edifying? Yeah. Exhorted? Yeah. Comforted? Yeah. Sure. That don't mean I back off from preaching. That don't mean I back off and apologize for the word of God. I ain't going to do it. Fall down your crowd, say, shut up. Then I'll comfort you in a little while. I'll say, Let's get right back in the book. <laughs> Amen. I get tempted just like everybody else to quit and throw in the towel and give up and what is the use. And Lord, can't you see I'm down here doing this stuff for you? Where are you? You're going to Jamaica somewhere on vacation. <laughs> Go over there and talk to Jimmy. He needs a little help here. Help him out. I thought he had about made it, but he's still back in that mully grubs again. Right down there, like Brother Hagin said, he's down there on Grumble Alley. Barely get along street. Can't hardly make it. I see y'all laughing because that's where exactly where y'all been, ain't it? You've been complaining all day, haven't you? Oh, God, forgive us in the name of Jesus. Everybody say, look at your neighbor and say, things are going to get better. Look at your other neighbor on the other side and tell them, the best is yet to come. Hallelujah. Well, that, that brought comfort, didn't it? <laughs> Talk about all that bad. Let's end up on a good note. Amen. Hallelujah. So people come to church need to edify, exhorting comfort. Then there's much error that can enter in. This prophecy is if you're not a prophet, you got no business telling the future. Can't say enough. And here are people prophesy, predicting who you're going to marry wives and husbands. I just think you ought to do it. You know, I've tried several times to get people hooked up. I've learned to mind my own business and shut up. <laughs> Dear Lord, I told one guy here, I said, you know, you ought to go ahead and marry that lady. He married her. She got mad and they all left the church. I, boy, I missed that one. Amen. 
you know, I think it was right for him to marry, but after this, after that all happened, I wish he hadn't. <laughs> Calling people into the ministry with no witness. Well, I don't know anything about it. Man, he said, man, I went to meet tonight. They popped up to me, told me I was calling ministry. He said, I, he said, I just don't have it in my heart. Throw it in the trash can. Say amen. Man, we have a safety valve, don't we? Then they got people hold meetings, end up being prophesying meetings. There's no such a thing. Then you have people prophesying, and they prophesy a new doctrine. God said one time, said, now this thing you won't find in the Bible. I said, well, <laughs> Brother Hagin said he heard a man say that. He said, well, you're going too far for me. <laughs> Amen. Then you got things where people are not decent and in order, you know, just prophesying a bunch of charismaniacs. Beware of error, people demanding submission because they prophesy, selling prophecies, Jim Jones, Joseph Smith, none of them come to pass. Where are they today? Go to Acts 21. Are we having fun here tonight? I think I'm going to get through all. Man, I got two or three more pages. Great day. I got a bunch of more pages. I got to go here. Y'all holding me back now. <laughs> You're holding me back, Pastor. <laughs> Pastor you know that. That's the inside side joke with us, Pastor Singletary. Hey, when I get back from Africa, and I'm leaving Friday on time. Amen. We're going to start working on the ministry of helps around here. Some of you people don't want to do nothing. No how, no way, no time. Never, ever. And we're going to teach you the word, and we're going to bring in all the ministry of helps, and I'm going to make you listen to Pastor Singletary, and he will wear you to a frazzle. <laughs> You're holding me back, Pastor. <laughs> Amen. Are you in Acts 21 yet? We got to hurry here, folks. Word's good, isn't it? Yeah. Hallelujah. I can't go to the next service. I can't because I got to finish it. I got something else. This is cool. Acts 21, verse 8. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist, which was one of the seven original deacons, and abode with him. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. Didn't call them prophets. Said that they did prophesy. He's talking about simple prophecy, isn't he? Amen. Or he would have called them prophetess. Now, and as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet. Oh, a little different here now, isn't it? Named Agabus. And when he was coming to us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost. They're all going to leave you, Jim. <laughs> Thus saith the Holy Ghost. I mean, you ain't gonna, they're all going to go. I said, man, are you kidding me? What are you talking about? I said, yeah, he said, they're going to leave you. No, they're all going to leave me. He, Jim, look at me. They're going to leave you. I called him up. I said, I should never let you come to my church to prophesy stuff like that. <laughs> Thus saith the Holy Ghost. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now watch it. Now, this was not <laughs> edifying, exhorting, and comforting, <laughs> was it? Here's the prophet's ministry now. See, he's not bound by all those rules. Amen. And when he, we heard these things, both we and they of that place, it really didn't say the prophet did it, but just said we and they of that place, besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I'm ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Did the prophet tell the truth? 
He certainly did, didn't he? But it did not deter. Sometimes it doesn't change what you're to do. We don't seek guidance. He was just bringing him information. Needed to know the news before it happened. I mean, you know, that's pretty good when you know what's going on. Hallelujah. Are y'all getting anything out of this? Four dollars. Now, that, pro- that was just simple prophecy. Agabus is foretelling the future. True, but it didn't deter Paul because he's ready to die. Uh, prophecy comes, I always say like it's like a strong unction. Now, now, the more you get accustomed to it, it doesn't have to be as strong. The more you learn <clears throat> to flow with God and with the gifts of the Spirit, you just, you know, just an unction. A lot of times when it starts happening to me, I just start laughing because it's funny to me, and I know, I know God's talking with me. And then, but you know you have to use faith when you do it. Now, like I say, I can be preaching, and it'll come to me. And I'll just stop, and I go from preaching. Someone said preaching is prophesying. Well, in a, in a measure it is, simple prophecy. But uh, there's a difference. When the Spirit, you could be, uh, you know, just doing simple prophecy and things, uh, but you just get a, a, a leading sometimes. Uh, sometimes, like I said, you just get a word to start. Sometimes while I'm preaching or witnessing to somebody. Sometimes you just know the subject matter. But when all else fails, we have one standard we go by, and that is to stay with the word. Say amen. Peter speaks to us in 1 Peter 2, 5, which states, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. But prophecies will fail, won't they? Right? Then Peter says in 2 Peter 1, 18, 19, and this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. So we have a more sure word of prophecy. If it doesn't line up with the word, we judge it right quick, don't we? Say amen. We do not have to swallow every prophecy just because it is spoken over us or to us, even if it is from a prophet, because even a prophet can miss it. Are you all with me? An individual needs to, number one, learn to be led by the Spirit for himself. When the true and real comes, it is meant to bring great blessing with it. Now, let's look at divers kinds of tongues. Time's getting short here. Uh, divers is italicized, 1 Corinthians 12.10. This means it was added by the translators, but actually the verse reads to another kinds of tongues. At, yet in another place, Paul says, God set in the church diversities of tongues, so it would mean the same thing, wouldn't it? Kinds of tongues. Most prominent gift and their reasons why. Tongues creates the most curiosity of all, the, all of these three gifts. People are just more curious about tongues. Why do they put so much emphasis on tongues all the time? Why is all this tongue stuff? It's just tongue stuff. People that don't like it, they talk about that more than any other thing. They want to nail us for this tongue stuff. <clears throat> tongues always manifested when people are filled with the Holy Ghost. Utterance in tongues in public assembly is the most frequently distributed. In a lot of places, they give message in tongues and don't even prop, uh, interpret it. Mom talked about her, her pastor one time, preached the whole sermon in tongues. He got edified real big. Nobody else did. Tongues and interpretation are distinctive of this dispensation. Paul gave prominence to it because it was widely misunderstood. Well, are tongues for today? I'm going to ask you, is the book of Acts for today? Is 1 Corinthians for today? Are we still in the church age? Church dispensation? Has the Holy Spirit changed his ministry? 
Acts 2, 4, Pentecost, birth of the church, they spoke in tongues. Acts 10, 10 years after Pentecost, they spake in tongues. Acts 19, 20 years after Pentecost, they're still speaking in tongues. And Paul said, I thank my God I speak tongues more than y'all. Amen. And he said, forbid not, didn't he? Does the church still need to speak to God? When you're talking in tongues, you're speaking in who? God. Amen. And you're speaking mysteries. Does the church need, still need to be edified? Say amen. Jude, but beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, right? Now, he that speaketh an unknown tongue edifieth himself. Does the church still need help in prayer? Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what to pray for as God, but the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groans which cannot be uttered or spoken in your regular kind of speech. Amen. Does the world, look here, does the world still need signs? The Bible says tongues is for a sign, and in a service when it's spoken, it reveals the secrets of a heart. They're manifest. It is signs of this age. Do we still need signs of this age? Does the church need to worship God in spirit and in truth? Remember he says when you speak in tongues, how be it in the spirit. Amen. Does the church still need to be filled with the spirit? Turn to Ephesians 5. Let's look at some scriptures here. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16. Redeeming the time because the days of evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, where it is excess, but be what? Filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart. How? To the Lord. Colossians chapter 3. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Paul said, I'll sing with the Spirit, sing with the understanding. I'll pray with the Spirit, pray with the understanding. This is how you get full and stay full. Say amen. Does the church still need to flow in the supernatural? Of course we do. And tongues is the doorway or the entrance to it. Now, let's talk about interpretation of tongues. And close this thing up here. The least of all the gifts. Why? Because it depends on another gift in order to operate. There's no need for interpretation of tongues if you don't have diverse kinds of tongues. Say amen. This, the purpose of this gift is to render the gift of tongues intelligible to the hearers so that the church as well, as the possessor of the gift, may know what has been said and may be edified thereof. 1 Corinthians 14, 5, I would that ye all spake with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied. For greater is he that prophesied than he that speak with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive what? Edifying. When diverse kinds of tongues are in operation, a person who is used to interpret or used to interpret should get himself or herself in the spirit, if not already. Get in tune. The Lord may want to use the individual in the operation of that gift and must be in tune or they may miss it or lose it. Amen. When the gift of tongues is given, get in the spirit. Remember, this gift is not from the mind but from the spirit. It's not necessary that every tongue be interpreted because a person there may understand what is being said. Personal tongues in prayer in your private prayer life do not necessarily need to be interpreted. Talking to God, the Holy Spirit, and God are communicating. 
you get edified automatically. Hallelujah. You can pray for interpretation. Any man speaking in a tongue, let him pray that he may interpret. That means let him ask. He may not give you the interpretation. It may be what you're praying. See, when you're praying in tongues, you're allowing the Holy Spirit in you and God Almighty to communicate one another. Praying out mysteries. And he may not want you to know what he's praying because he may not want the devil to know what you're praying. And a lot of times we get it, we tell everybody. God's smarter than we are. Say amen, church. Hallelujah. Now, if the Lord wants you to know, he'll give it to you. A good place to start, though, is in your prayer closet. Pray in tongues, ask God. If he wants you to know it, he will. My traveling ministry began by this gift. I got in the closet in uh, Dodge City, Kansas, prayed in tongues, interpreted back to my mind. And the Lord said, go a certain place, and this will be the beginning of your traveling ministry. Maybe a long tongue, but a short interpretation. Remember, it's interpretation. It is not a word-for-word -word verbatim of what was said. It gives the meaning, not the translation. You may give an interpretation, and it may turn into a prophecy. And when it does, it'll become a little more authoritative. Amen. Now, go back here to 1 Corinthians 14. We'll wind it up here. You just got to study this, folks. But be not children in understanding, just be children in malice. Because they forgive and get over it, don't they? Hallelujah. First Corinthians 14, 27 through 29. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, and that by course, and let, an, let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. You may have an utterance in tongues, but two or three have already spoken publicly in tongues. Good advice would be that a fourth one should not join in no matter how much he may feel impelled by the Spirit. Two or three should be sufficient because we don't want to get into confusion. 1 Corinthians 14, 28, But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church. Let him speak to himself. Verse 32, And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. One may give a tongue, and the same individual may give the interpretation if there be no interpreter present. If he can't, he should hold his peace and just speak to himself in tongues, quietly. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, devoted the entire 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians to the subject of prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. There is a 50-50 part played here in these gifts. God gives the inspiration. We furnish our tongues. Say amen. These can be misused and cause confusion if not monitored. If people speak and interpret, we should judge. Some don't want judgment, but the Lord directed us to, didn't he? It is good order, and God wants his church run decently. How? And in what? Order. Amen. Everybody say decently. And in order. Tongues with interpretation. Tongues with interpretation. Praise the Lord. Brother Higgins said he prayed five hours and 45 minutes one day in tongues. And then he interpreted back, prophesied the next world war, great next move that was coming to the church. Oral Roberts talked about walking out on that great big field. Said he prayed in tongues and interpreted back to his mind. 
That's how he got the vision, the answer for all that he's done. If you've been out there, you'll see it as God. Is God, no doubt about it. So it brings blessing to the church. And we should have more of it. Simple prophecy, remember now, is for what? Edification, exhortation, comfort. Hallelujah. And anyone here, spirit-filled, may prophesy. Don't get over into telling the future until you're a confirmed prophet. Amen. But if you do tell it, then we're going to judge it and just see whether it comes to pass. The, the testing, isn't it? Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, how many, everybody here, is everybody here filled with the Holy Ghost? Everybody here speak in tongues. That means you lift your hand if you speak in tongues. Y'all ain't figured me out by yet. Let me just check on you. Everybody here filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on over here, let me see over here. You're speaking tongues. Amen. Praise the Lord. You don't know whether you speak in tongues or not? Amen. How many of you speak in tongues regular? How many of you don't speak in tongues regular? What is this? What does this mean? Do you speak in tongues regular? Lift your hands up. You speak in tongues regular. Build yourself up on your most holy faith. That's right. Amen. I mean, I mean everybody here been filled with the Holy Ghost that you, that you have spoken in tongues at one time or another. You speak in tongues? Okay. All right. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, therefore, when everybody stand up and start speaking in tongues, and we'll mature, we don't need interpretation of it, just start speaking in tongues. Bromo <laughs> 
Rico Garandrando, the Taratanamoto Tolever Sabrandola, the Lamata Talevitikidi, Hitko Solo, the Lamato Tolever Sabramo, the Divinia Trata, the Lamato Prombo, the Bidibidi Calandrambo, the Bidibidi, Kungaratrando, the Tongo, the Lamato Tolever Sabramo, the Lamato Tolever Sabramo,